It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Scott Burks. Uh, also did credit of the sports ball called the Clown Times. The Clown spelled with K. You can find me on the web at www.theclowntimes.net, and you can find me on Facebook. Just whether you're on your desktop, laptop, uh, uh, smartphone, wherever the hell you're doing. Um, just go to the search window and type in the Clown Times again. It's Clown spelled with K. You can find me there. We have quite an ambitious show tonight. We're gonna cover a lot of ground. Uh, we'll cover the XFL, which one, pretty much what we like and whatnot, as well as uh, since my co-host and I, uh, both are products of HBCUs, we're going to talk about North Carolina A&T leaving the MEAC, the beloved MEAC, for the Big South Conference, talk about the ramifications surrounding that, how it affects other HBCU athletics, as well as some of the NBA trades that we like and dislike, and last but not least, Tom Brady's future. You know, so many people have so many things to say, including one, Michael Irvin, who claims that he's that he'll be the one to uh, uh, replace Dak and Big D. Dak Prescott that is in D.C. I don't know if I totally believe that, but that's what the man said. And if he's plugged, he's plugged into all things Dallas Cowboys. So who the hell knows? But anyway, to help me break this all down, it's a, my aforementioned co-host. Y'all know him from the yard slash HBC Sports. Perhaps about all things HBCU sports, as well as Sleazy Radio on on Facebook Live, where he him and his crew um, every Tuesday night, and you can catch him on um, I forgot the website where he he he's a contributor. Hero Sports, Hero Sports that he's a contributor to. So one on the way, Nash is back in the house. What's up, D? How you doing? Man, oh man, Scott, I am still reeling from last week. It's been a combination of things. Of course, uh, like you said before, uh, the aforementioned news of A&T moving to the Big South, and then week one of the XFL, and then, of course, NBA All-Star Weekend is coming up this weekend. So it's just been a whirlwind of sporting events, man. I've been trying to 
you know, keep my, my eyes wherever I can, man. It's just, you got to keep your head on the swivel, baby. You know, it's it's February. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So that, that includes, like, um, the upcoming uh, NBA All-Star Week, as you mentioned, as well mm-hmm. as going to lead into the last half of the college basketball, basketball season. You know, March Madness yes. is literally right up the corner. So there's a lot mm-hmm. to get to, including the one XFL. This is the XFL, my sorry, as uh, um, what's the name of the, the commissioner of, uh, of, of the uh, WWE? Uh, McMahon. Vince McMahon. Um, Vincent Kennedy yeah. McMahon, yes. There you go. Excuse me, Vincent Kennedy uh, uh, McMahon, for those of you who know that. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I would say this. I thought I never thought I'd see the XFL come back after their embarrassing debut a few years ago. Hell, I think it's what was it? Has it been almost ten years ago? But it's uh, been almost. It's been almost twenty. It's two thousand and one. Damn, that's right. Right, that's right, that's right. Wow. Yeah. God, it's, it's, we're getting old. Um, but, but at any rate, there's a lot of things that were different this time around. First of all, they have better, and this is the lifeblood of any any sports league. They have uh, they 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 have better um, broadcast contracts mm-hmm. you know, with the ESPN and Fox family of networks. So that's good for them. I mean, the fact that you've been able to buy them on television, number one, and number two, it's on weekend. So that just cures our post-NFL, post-college football blues, if you will, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, not going to last long. I mean, as far as the, the season it goes to, I think, um, uh, the regular season ends on the first weekend, the second week, uh, second weekend of, of, of April, uh, April 7th through the 13th. Um, so it's still, while it's not the NFL, it's definitely not college football. It still gives, it still gives it that, 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 that fix. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, imagine how shocked I was to turn on the TV at my uh, nephew's first birthday party this past weekend and watch mm-hmm. a professional football game. You know, my like my brother came into the kitchen. He looked and he looked again. He's like, "That's football." I said, "That's the XFL, bro." <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it snuck up on us, right? It, it, it happened almost right after the Super Bowl, actually. So, actually, um, it did, yes. Yeah, but there's many things I love about it, man. I mean, I love the innovation, the innovative stuff. Like, not only have a one and two point conversion, you have a three point conversion at the end of a touchdown, yeah. and mm-hmm. all those plays. Necessitate running real plays, which means no kicking, no no extra point kicks. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. And you know, the, well, the, like for those who keep the score, like plays you have the option of running plays with two, the five, and the ten yard line for the one and the two and the three point conversion respectively. So that's cool. And also, I love the transparency of the replay. You know, like when the, like 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 when like when the play is under review. And they, you hear the, the communication between the head official on the field and the replay official in the booth. I like that a lot. And it's mm-hmm. painstaking. And last but not least, I love the uh, I love the um, the authenticity, the realness, the rawness of the players and, and the coach on the sidelines. I mean, they, they're, they're mic'd up, some of them. And you know, and, and you know what what what's really funny, well, kind of funny in a sad way. 
it's like when a kicker misses it, like like a, you know, like a kick, immediately that 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 young lady runs in the field area, the reporter, <laughs> and interviews the kicker. <laughs> what was he thinking and shit like that? So I thought that was pretty funny. But oh no, I thought it was a great uh, uh, reintroduction, if you will, to the XFL. So so what do you think things that you took home from it, like things you liked, maybe things you found annoying, shit like that? Well. Unfortunately, I didn't get an opportunity to watch the games at home. I got a chance to watch them out at sports bars, so I didn't get the audio. Um, But I I did, of course, I was able to to follow in terms of recognizing the the -the off-the-field interviews and everything. But just let's just go through a a brief synopsis of the history, right, and compare it to to current-day XFL so you can see – because there were a lot of things that they did that they improved on from what they did last time, first and foremost. I, I, I don't like to call them janky cities, but they're technically secondary markets, right, with the exception of New York and L.A. from the first go-round. They ended up still doing New York and Los Angeles, but they also added D.C. Tampa's a pretty good market. Um, what are the other cities that are involved? Houston, Seattle, Houston. 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 So. Yeah, so they, they got great markets where it's not Memphis, you know, and, and Las Vegas, right. where, oddly enough, the NFL cool. team is moving. So they, 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 they made that change, right? And one of the things that they right. did uh, last time, which they tried to be hokey with it because, of course, what they attempted to do the first go-round was infuse a lot of professional wrestling into pro football yeah. or into football. Right. And one of the things they wanted to do was to create storylines by putting cameras and mics in weird places. And, of course, what they did was they did it in a creepy manner by, like, putting mics and, and, and cameras in the, the cheerleaders' locker room. Yes, a little sophomore. Yeah. But when you start to put those yeah. mics in places where football fans care about, like with the coaches, players after they make plays, officials, so you would know exactly what their thoughts are when, when, they're, when they're making calls or when they do a replay. So places like that, instead of trying to be creepy right. with it, an improvement. And then, of course, taking a lot of the, the things that, in terms of rules, like you said, the, 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 the extra point conversions from one, two, and three points uh, after touchdowns and the kickoff, being that that's different, instead of everyone lining up, the defenders lining up with the kicker, they're literally lining up, excuse me, about 10 to 15 yards away from the receiving team, so it's not that full speed ahead collision and cut back on that. So I'm loving everything about the XFL right now. And then if you're a college football fan, you have the benefit of seeing a lot of players that you recognize from from recent times and also – there are a lot of guys who actually had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And if you're a huge fan right. and you're into those uh, uh, secondary or even tertiary players or even players that make the practice squad, you'll hear and you see names that you recognize from the past. And then you see that they're in the XFL. And they're, they're all trying to con- you know, Cardell Jones. Um, what's your boy's name? The, uh, the QB from, from uh, uh, Syracuse last year. Um, I'm talking about uh, God. I know who you're talking about. 
Eric somebody. Dungey. Eric Dungey. Dungey. So you got Dungey, Aaron Murray. So there are a ton of QBs and players out there that you recognize a lot of names that I recognize, especially from the HBCU world. Marquez Carter, uh-huh. a.k.a. Mr. Excitement, playing out there uh, in L.A. for the Wildcats. Um, of course, the, the, the Redskins head coach and, and general manager, Pep Hamilton, who, who played at Howard. Oddly enough, his successor at Howard, Ted White, is his quarterback's coach. You know, he's got a lot of NFL ties. Well, Pepper Johnson, who was unfortunately just relieved of his duties up in New York. And then, of course, Jerry Glanville, Jim Zorn. So there are a lot of ties to a lot of areas of football that if you're a huge football fan, you can associate with, this, you can associate easier to this league and, and make that transition into this. And it, it, it will keep your eye before how long is the question. The thing is, it's already surpassed in terms of ticket sales, the AAF from last year. In week two, yeah. ticket sales have already surpassed all of the ticket, the ticket sales for the AAF as long as they were in existence last year. So they already have a bump yeah. up on that. Now, the thing was, the first go-round with the XFL, they were with NBC because, of course, that relationship that WWE had with Universal now, of course, like you said, right. they were Fox and with uh, ESPN, and it, it, you know it's 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 a little bit more accessible than the AAF was, seeing as though that their games were on, more. you know, with, with NFL Network and FS1. So yeah, they, right. and also had the partnership with Gatorade. So they're doing a lot of things right. The thing is, though, of course, will it be sustainable? And and my my answer is I hope so. I think it will be because they they changed a lot of mm-hmm. their like of, of of their promotion and shit like that. Because I remember to your point when they had cameras and the cheerleaders locker rooms. I remember one promo where they had a football player and a and the chili they videotaped them before a game, like having so many sexual innuendos. Yeah, and they're coming. It's like it's like they they bring a professional they brought professional wrestling to football, and it was a joke. I mean, yeah. Me, I mean, hell, I, I say as a twenty-seven year old me, found it to be hilarious, but I never took the shit seriously. Not that did much of America, because yeah. for that reason, I mean, guys, personalizing their names back of the jerseys like the hammer and 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 most infamously, he hate me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard. I mean, even though he went on. Even though he, Ali Nell went on to have a good career with the Panthers after that, you know, Rod Smart. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the point is, is that it's more authentic. It's real football, right? Yeah. You got NFLers, former NFLers, former college like college stars playing. You know, they should get that chance now. And for what, if I'm not mistaken, I think NFL teams can draft directly from XFL players. Mm. I think I read that. I think I read that somewhere where they could actually draft XFL players. Oh wow! Um, okay. But yeah. So I read that somewhere. I thought I did anyway. But at any rate, the point is, is that it's more of a pipeline, and I think it's more of a pipeline for minority coaches too, because you yes, know, to is. your point, Pep Hamilton, coach, mm-hmm. head coach, you have a lot more black uh, like coordinators in this league, and I think it's, it's great to see. 
for NFL teams to see these guys do their thing, right? Because mm-hmm. I think I thought that Pip Hamilton was on his way before he was wrongly fired by uh, by uh, by Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis way back when. So mm-hmm. at any rate, when he was promoted, but at any rate, the point is is that it gives a lot of people opportunity. And and one more thing I forgot to say that I like. How about the kickoff? Where the kicker is Bryce Lawson on the 35 yard line, if I'm not mistaken, and then, um, uh, like basically the coverage team lines up on the return side on the 35 yard line, and the return team lines up on the 30 yard line. Okay, mm-hmm. and so basically each team must have exactly I think three players on the hash marks on both sides because I move to the ball is caught. So basically this was created. No, it's it's really creative. But it also was created with player safety in mind. So that was pretty cool. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That, that was, that's pretty damn cool. I, I said 35-yard line. The kicker, I think the kicker lines up with a 30-yard line. Excuse me. But I, I, like, I, like, I like the innovations. I think college football would be wise to implement some of them. I mm-hmm. think the NFL might take a look at them, like depending on how, how it all plays out. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that was so far so good, man. Yeah, I, I I like the football. It's very entertaining. It was there was no shenanigans on the field. There were no nicknames in the back of the jerseys. Yeah. Um, just real straight up hungry dudes playing football. That's that's what it was. And it's good that they're starting out slow, out 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 small in terms of the number of teams, the eight teams, and mm-hmm. good markets. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens going forward. So. Um, yeah, so I think you may have other other things to add to the XFL, but um, we haven't covered it already. But overall, I, I, I like it. I really like yeah. seeing this time. Around. But it's just two quick points before we move on. One, like you yeah. said, the, the whole association with professional wrestling and how hokey it seemed, a lot of people thought that it was uh, a predetermined like wrestling. And that was just another reason why, along with a lot of other, a lot of, a lot of other factors, that is, Sadate, or right. why people wouldn't get into the game. And then to your point about minority coaches and getting an opportunity. Now, mind you, me being a huge fan of Pep Hamilton, he's a Charlotte boy, came up to D.C., so, I, I, you know, I automatically associate with him, with him being an HBCU guy. I thought that he should have been a head coach a while ago, and excuse that I received from, you know, an NFL reporter that will remain nameless was that he didn't have enough experience coaching to be a head coach because, you know, of course, it was at that point in time looked at that you needed to have a certain amount of or X amount of uh, 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 coordinating experience or assistant coach experience or even college coach experience before you can move on to become a pro coach. And if you look at most of these coaches now, not a lot of them don't even have coordinating experience. Sean McVay, Joe Judge. That's right. Uh, 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 the list goes on and on. And the guy, Hamilton. You're, you're a giant. You're a giant yes. head coach now. But yeah. Yes. I mean, and even, even uh, 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 Jay Gruden didn't necessarily have yeah. – well, all he had was coordinating experience. And I thought his experience double was comparable to Pat Hamilton. But yet he was able to get a job. So I didn't want to necessarily, you know, call racism, but 
at least this time, he and other black head coaches in the XFL are getting the opportunity, and a lot of assistants as well are getting an opportunity to prove that they can coach on a professional level. Exactly. So kudos to XFL for doing this for the forward thinking. And, yes. you know, as far as like, that shit goes, you, you, like, you know how it goes. People are more comfortable with who they with, or with their own. And mm-hmm. unless we get more either in ownership or front office, it is what it is. It is what it and is. And that's the so, thing. The Washington president <laughs> is African-American. So uh, I'm not going to say yeah. it was easier for him to do so, but the, that president who also has an association working with Howard in the past is, is probably familiar with Howard, and probably the first right. coach he thought of was Pep Hamilton, or at least one of his and first was, couple of coaches. And, and, and one last thing about that, speaking of D.C., how about the crowd at Audie Stadium? The Audie oh, my God. Man, oh, played. man. How about I'm, that? They were rock I'm and disappointed that I didn't go. And I'm disappointed that I won't be able to make it this weekend either. I'm going to have to make my way before the season starts. But I really want to check out, like I said before, the L.A. Wildcats because, of course, they have the most HBCU alums on that on that team. So I want to check and see what they look like. But there was talks leading up to the game that the game was sold out. Now, all of the seats weren't taken, but they still had 17,000 in an arena that I think fits 30. So that was a great turnout. Yeah. And the thing is, of yeah. course, there's been a lot of conversation on why that's probably the case, especially here in D.C., with the, the, a lot of the Redskins fans here, here being disgruntled and still wanted to see right. football. I was thinking the this same was their thing. opportunity to yeah. do so. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Something mm-hmm. else, man. Yeah, you're starving for some success. Um, speaking of HBCUs, you touched on HBCUs a few times. Let's segue to this. This is the segue. Our beloved A&T, North Carolina A&T mm-hmm. Aggies. We're both Aggies. You undergrad, yeah. me, and me have a graduate degree from there. Um, mm-hmm. And for those who listen to the show, often enough, you know that we tend to touch on things HBCU, so it's a sports, athletic issues around athletics, things like that. So, Hampton did this a year ago, maybe two years ago. And A&T Two. is following yes. the footsteps. Now, A&T is moving out of the at the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, for those who don't know, to the Big South, starting on June 30th, 2021. The school's trustees voted. I don't know what the margin was, but the point is the majority ruled there was a majority to leave the MEAC, and here we are. Apparently, there were, like, rumors I think my first cousin told me that one told told me that there were rumors that A and T was monitoring what what how Hampton was doing in the Big South and was looking to make a and looking to make a move. And I heard that Sam Mew was doing the same thing, just monitoring the situation as we speak. Maybe Central, North Carolina Central too. Um, but the point is, is that A and T, a founding member of the MEAC, gone. Mm-hmm. We'll be going after the after this coming season. So, what do you think this this means for HBCU athletics? First, well, actually, first, but first, I say this: Why do you think Ant made the move? You're more connected to this than I am. So, why do you think Ant made the move in the first place? 
Okay, well, before I answer that question, I'll answer a uh, uh, – uh, uh, it wasn't necessarily a question, but you, you made a statement. How many uh, – wh- what was the vote? According to uh, the chancellor, uh, Chancellor Martin, there was only one – well, that wasn't Martin who said it. I forgot who that was. I think he must have been the uh, the head of the, the board of trustees for, for A&T. Yeah. He said there was only one dissenter with with all of the uh, the voters wow. in, in the board of trustees, just one. Um, and to answer your question, why, uh, before I even get to the why, actually, there have been conversations about this move about two or three years ago. I first heard about it after leaving a celebration bowl, uh, uh, a couple of years ago. And when it was said to me, actually, it was said to me before Hampton made its move to the big South. So, when I was told, I kind of scratched my head and 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 didn't think much of it until Hampton made his move. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, we had a discussion about Hampton's move to the Big South on this show, and my comments then wasn't necessarily against Hampton making the move. It was mm-hmm. how Hampton made the move and their reaction to the MEAC because they still wanted to receive uh, 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 superlatives from the conference, and they still wanted to be eligible for the Celebration Bowl, even though they were no longer a part of the conference. And I thought all of that was asinine. And they also hear hurled insults at the MEAC as well. But I digress, right? Now, wow. we fast forward. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. That entire situation was, was crazy. We fast forward. When I'm at the Celebration Bowl this past December, that rumor of moving to the Big South again was thrown at me. And at this point, you know, I I, I, I thought to myself, anything can happen. I, I don't doubt anything, of course, especially after Chancellor Martin made a, a comment back in August of 2019. Basically, it was said it was basically a uh, 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 an exercise in getting people's mindsets ready on a potential move. Because he said, what would it be like if A&T Athletics, especially the football program, moved to the FBS level? And people questioned whether or not it would be a move. They kind of brushed it off and said it was an exercise. But in actuality, they were looking at FBS programs, and I'll get to that in, in, in a brief moment. Wow. Now, I'm fast know, forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'll get to that in just a moment. Fast forward, like I said before, I heard news of it again this past December, thought that it was a, a possibility. And then the not just past Friday, but the Friday prior, I get an insider tip that uh, SID from the Big South, made a comment to a fan saying that A&T's move to the Big South was imminent and they were in the Mm. process of getting ready to schedule their 2021-2022 football schedule to include Big South opponents. I was preparing to do my due diligence, but unfortunately I was beaten to the story by – uh, 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 my man Jeff uh, Mills over at uh, the News of Record over in Greensboro. 
where he reported okay. that the A&T would be moving to the Big South, and it was all pending a vote on um, by the uh, uh, the, uh, the the board of trustees the, the following day, which of course it passed. But during that press conference, it was announced that A&T had looked at at least six different conferences, both on the FBS and FCS levels as destinations wow. to head. And when I heard that, my my I just scratched my head and said, wow, just like you. Now, to finally answer your question, because, of course, this was addressed in the press conference, this is the answer that was given to us by the athletic director, Earl Hilton. This move alone is basically – to help out with travel costs, the travel costs will okay. now be reduced by 30%, seeing yep. as though the majority of the teams in the Big South are in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia, with the exception of Correct. three teams, Monmouth, Kennesaw State, and the soon-to-join North Alabama. And I'll get to them in just a moment. All now, right. the reason why... <laughs> What's that? So you got it going. Got a whole lot to go there, brother. Oh yes, there's a whole lot involved in this, man. And and that's why when people get mad and 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 their anger and they 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 voice their opinion, a lot of it is short-sighted because there's a lot of pieces involved in this. And 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 sometimes it's not just a, a easy quick. But like I said, I'm I'm bringing this down easily and quickly. So one, the travel is part of it, and the other aspect of that, of course. He said that he was concerned about the student, the welfare of the student athlete, and making sure that they have a better student life mix on campus, which leads to, of course, better APR scores. Because you don't have students mm-hmm. making six, seven, and eight-hour-long trips. Now, mind you, the majority of the program men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, women's volleyball, track and field, golf. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that will not be – well, bowling will stay in the MEAC, but all the other uh, 15 programs will be moving over to the, the Big South. And they won't necessarily be affected by travel but so much, but the football team will. But the the plus is, or the benefit is, that they will only have to make those treks every other year. Because remember, it's a home-and-home right. schedule so that you rotate right. every year. And those furthest trips, right. like I said before, to Monmouth, which is in New Jersey, right outside of New York, to Kennesaw State, which is right outside of Atlanta, and to North Alabama, those are the furthest ones which averaged about six and a half, seven hours worth of travel for for the football team, but yet the football team is the only one that will have to make that travel. And like I said before, it will be something that will only be done every other year based upon the schedule. So, yeah, it's all back to money because, of course, the money handles the, 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 money handles the travel, and then, of course, the travel right. affects the students' welfare, and those are the two things that, of course, uh, both Martin and Hilton announced 
But there's some other things as well that I believe that are factors on why the move is made, even though they try to minimize those. Well, let me but before you go on, bro. Let me ask you this: as you mentioned mm-hmm. the the looking at FBS conferences, do you have an idea of what those FBS of what the of who those FBS conferences were? You know what? Do you have an idea? I'm just Scott, I do not. The only thing that I okay. can do because I was going to investigate, right? In, in terms of, right. well, I should say. Invest the guesstimate, right? Based upon right. the announcement that was given to us in terms of travel, I was going to take into consideration all of the conferences that would have reduced travel for A&T. And the, the ones that come to mind immediately, of course, are the likes of the CAA, the Colonial Association, Athletic Association, and okay. some of those, the, 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 the SOCON, and, and, and those conferences. So, like I said before, I haven't done it yet, but once I do it, and then I, I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and actually do the math because I'm actually, I know I'm a week late, but I wanted to break down as much as possible and touch on a lot of things that other people haven't in their responses to what's been going on. I want to go ahead and break down the amount of travel that would happen in those potential conferences to point, pinpoint the ones that may or may not have been discussed as potential destinations okay. for A&T. Mm. Well, you know what? You might want to post that link up, too, to Twitter Most and definitely. Facebook. I think a lot of people Most definitely. Like to see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people like to see that. Um, so let me ask you this. So, wow. So, you know what? I have a feeling, man. I have a feeling that this, this won't be the last stop for A&T. I think that we have a very ambitious-minded athletics department from what I've seen from a distance of what I've read as far as seen up close. So I don't think – I mean, the Big South is a big – it's a good it's a good first step, if you will. Mm-hmm. But if they're looking to step up a weight class, I guess. But mm-hmm. I think when you mentioned that they were looking at FBS conferences, I think this is a temporary stop. I think this temporary stop may be five, six, seven years. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe ten, but I think that A and T has grown has grown in enrollment by a lot. I think they got a lot of funding. Our, our alumni association is hella strong. And you mm-hmm. see the uh, the facilities, uh, how they've improved. I mean, hell, I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, I'm sure you have. Going back to homecoming much more than I have, but the the wellness centers. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, that little big big gym. I mean, big big weight room mm-hmm. wellness center. And you know they got the naming rights in the, on our football stadium, like BB and T, got the mm-hmm. naming rights there. And you know it's just they they reached out, beloved A and T has grown leaps and bounds over yes, the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and it's still growing, and it's still yes. expanding, and it's still yes. changing. So yes. and it's to the point where it looks better than UNC Greensboro. Yes, I said it, and I'll keep saying it. I said it then, <laughs> I'll say it now. Um, but the thing is, is that, man, is we're growing. Yeah. So I love the ambition. I kind of hate the fact that they have to leave the MEAC to do it, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, if you think big, as they say, the money, as the saying goes, scared money don't make nothing. No. If you think big, you got to act like it. And then their, their football team, 
you know how great our football team has been. It's been the best in college, in the black college sports. It's been one of the best in FCS. So why mm-hmm. not take that next step and solidify that hold, possibly become the next, I uh, say, North Dakota State, and mm. then keep going from there. Keep mm-hmm. going from there. Because we've seen teams do this. We've seen Appalachian State do this. They were FCS for several years. Now yes. they're in the uh, what, the Sun Belt Conference, and they, yes. hadn't, they hadn't missed a beat. They're still mm-hmm. good. Hell, they've been better. They're better than some 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 FBS uh, division. I mean, uh, the uh, the uh, yeah, so, some bigger FBS folks. Power five. Oh no, and uh, state is in. The, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They are better than a, a couple of the power five, and they've beaten a couple of the uh, power five schools. Yeah. But you know, yeah, and, 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 and to your statement, and, and with A and T moving up, I'm going to go ahead and say this now for the haters who are listening. Because hopefully, sure. I, I went ahead and I, I spread this uh, this podcast uh, within the HBCU world so that they can listen to my response um, on the things that have happened. Because I haven't said much, I've kind of held my tongue when I was organizing my yeah. thoughts. And as I understand, it's taken me a long time to organize my thoughts, but I got a lot of thoughts. But no, we're not necessarily cocky about this move. But I am, I do have a lot of concerns. And like you just said, we are growing. Everything is growing with A&T as of right now. My concern is this possible move may end up potentially hurting our growth. Yes, I said it. And I'm saying this out loud. And let me explain why. Okay. Straight out of the, the, the chancellor, the athletic director, and the head of football coach's mouth, and I say coaches plural, with both Washington and Broadway, along with the football coach at Grambling. They've all said Ooh. after winning the Celebration Bowl, it's brought a lot of eyes to the institution, and it has helped in increasing enrollment. Now, with us no longer participating in the Celebration Bowl and not being in the MEAC, those those type of eyes will now be taken away from us. And I'm wondering whether sure. or not that will hurt enrollment or not. Also, a lot of the, 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 the school spirit has been affected by this move. And I'm wondering whether or not not playing in an all-HBCU conference will also be an effect on enrollment. Because of course, students are want to come are going to want to come to A and T and get the HBCU experience and be in depth in HBCU culture. Mind you, HBCU, right. I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna say this again: HBCU culture is not only rooted in athletics. Let me repeat that again: right. HBCU yeah. culture yeah. is not only rooted in athletics. But I do understand competing against your own, having your bands play against one another, the atmosphere, all of that is completely different than playing against or performing against PWIs. And I understand that atmosphere has a certain feeling to it, and I love it with all of my heart. And my, my my hope, my hope is that it does not affect 
not just enrollment, but alumni giving. Because yes. if we do not yes. have the finances to continue to compete in the Big South, we're going to end up going back to the MEAC. And I'm not saying that as if it's a bad thing. The thing is, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things that we're going to have to do in order to Excuse me, Scott. There are a lot of things that we're going to have to do financially within the athletic department in order for us to keep pace with the Big South and even potentially move on to another conference. Case in point, I attended the North Carolina A&T Charleston Southern game, football game back in September. I did so because mm-hmm. I used to live in Charleston for a couple of years, highly familiar with Charleston Southern. Wanted to take an opportunity to see some of my folk down in the chop. Had to tell you say what's up to them. But one of the things that I noticed was the amount of sports information directors that they had. They legit had a different sports information director for every sport. Every sport. And Charleston Southern is not a, a big school at all. As a matter of fact, their stadium only holds about 2,000. Stadium's not that big. School's not that big. But they have a huge athletic department. And that's one of the things that either we're going to have to keep pace with or make adjustments to so that we can keep pace with the remainder of the Big South. I don't know if necessarily Hampton has made those moves yet, but I know that the other institutions in the Big South have followed suit. Because what other PWI athletic departments have multiple sports information directors that makes their job easier? Because when you have an SID that's working on a bunch of sports, it's kind of, it's kind of straining. And I, I've seen and I've heard the tales of former SIDs that have had to do so for years, and they talk about it, and they just look back. Case in point, my man Ed Hill, the, the, the OG, he is a legend as it pertains to SIDs in HBCU sports. He used to be the SID over Howard before he retired. When he talked to mm-hmm. me about what he saw at the University of Maryland as it pertains to their athletic department and their sports information department and the fact that not only do they have an SID that only focuses on football, that SID also has an assistant. Whereas with most HBCUs, you have an SID and you have an assistant and those two split the work amongst 15 to 16 sports. It's insane. It is insane, and that's one of the things that we have to deal with as HBCUs. But I don't know if that's going to be something that, that's going to have to change or not, but I just noticed that that was a small difference that I noticed between the two, and, and I know that there are probably going to be some things that I don't know about right now that the athletic department mm-hmm. is going to have to do in order to keep pace, along with being able to sustain certain things um, in order to, to, to keep pace. But, yeah, I'm just concerned that this type of move has disgruntled a lot of people, and it, it we may end up taking a dip financially. And, and, and like I said before, I pray that that is not the case. But, I, once again, I understand well, why they made that move. Because there are a lot yeah. of people, myself included, that believe yep. that because of a lot of financial issues and accreditation problems, 
that a couple of the programs in the, in the MEAC are currently dealing with, that the MEAC may no longer be with us in a couple of years. I was going to ask you that question, brother. What do you think this will do to black college athletics, HBCU athletics going forward? Because you you sort of touch on it. Mm-hmm. Because, well, like I said earlier, I've heard that FAMU is monitoring the situation. I heard that, and it wouldn't be a surprise if Central is monitoring the situation because Central is also very ambitious. I mean, hell, they moved mm-hmm. to the MEAC, and even though Winston State moved back when they did it, Central stayed the course, and they're being rewarded for it. So what do you think this means going forward with HBCUs and, like, HBCU sports? Uh, my my prayer is that it doesn't affect HBCU sports at all, other than the fact that uh, a, a giant has left the MEAC. That's the only thing that I'm hoping. And, yes, to all you haters out there, I said A&T was a giant in the MEAC. Yes, I said it. Bring up 0-27 all you want. I said it. Giant. Deal with it. So, to that point, like I said before, I hope nothing happens to the MEAC because I love all HBCU sports. I love to see us get as much exposure as possible. I love the culture of HBCU sports. I would love to see these programs continue to compete against one another. But, as we know, HBCUs as a, as a whole have dealt with financial issues, one of those being South Carolina State. And to quote their president, they have legit have been uh, living, quote, unquote, paycheck to paycheck in terms of trying yeah. to keep themselves afloat. And they've asked the state of South Carolina for over $40 million so they can continue to operate. And, of course, a lot of those funds would be going to their athletics. If they continue to have these issues, they may end up having to close their doors. But they've been resourceful for years because this issue has been going on for some time. But the thing is, how much longer can that last? The one that's more of an immediate issue is with Bethune-Cookman. They've been dealing, like I said earlier, with accreditation issues. And if memory serves me correctly, they will be up for accreditation this March. And according to their president, 2020 is the year that they either turn the corner or the year that they close their doors. And if they end up closing their doors, that is the closure of an athletic program. And if Bethune-Cookman... If they either have problems with accreditation and they stay open, student athletes aren't wanna gonna wanna go and play up at Don Cookman because they can't get an accredited degree. So if right, you lose right, Bethune, right. guess who else you're gonna lose? You're gonna lose Florida A and M. I'm not I'm not even saying yep. if you lose Bethune and South Carolina State. Because if you lose them both, then of course you're really in terms of travel looking for Florida A&M to make a huge hoe in terms of traveling, skipping over Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina to compete against a team in, in Virginia, and then the likes of, of schools in, in Maryland and D.C. and Delaware, that's a whole lot of travel. And for those that remember, when Kellen Winslow, yes, that Kellen Winslow, senior that is, was the athletic director at Florida A&M, one of the things he, he uh, investigated was a potential move to the SWAC. 
because, of course, it would help reduce their travel costs. You see how that comes up again? That's something that is big within HBCU sports is looking for ways to cut costs. And one of the major ways they try to look to do so is to help reduce travel costs. And if, if Bethune leaves, FAMU is right out the door with them. So that means you would end up losing North Carolina A&T, Hampton, Savannah State, and potentially Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M. Note, I didn't even say South Carolina State, but that's, that's still the potential too. So if you lose all of those programs, we're looking at the Big, Big East Junior. The MEAC is going to implode unless they end up calling up other HBCUs to join them from the D2 ranks. But, of course, in order to do that, do that you would need to not only generate funds but sustain funds to play on the D1 right. level, which is a problem. <clears throat> Don't believe me? Ask Winston-Salem State. Or exactly. they could okay. go ahead too. and poach PWIs from other conferences to help join them in the MEAC as well. So those are the only options I see for a sustained MEAC. Now, they can survive with the programs that they currently have. The key is mm-hmm. can those programs survive, period, in order for the conference to survive. Right. So And like you said earlier, real quick, is, I'm sorry to interrupt, Scott, but like you said earlier, yeah. North Carolina Central is one of those schools that is very ambitious with them coming up from the CIAA to the MEAC, but they're also probably eyeing the situation with how A&T is dealing with it because they, they see the backlash that the university is receiving, and they're probably being a little trepidatious on how they handle it if they do it. If they do it, if the, if it's an optive word, um, yes. So I was going to say earlier, since all this, all this, all this uh, transition is, partic- is potentially going to hit the meat due to financial reasons, and mm-hmm. you know, travel like you take away a travel part, like in the case of Bethune Cookman, Bethune Cookman closed the doors. Why would family want to travel, right? So that that leads to me to think that the SWAT is going to become bigger. It's going to grow. Mm-hmm. If, that's, if that's the case, because I don't, because again, to your point, I don't see FAMU want to travel all around to the other conferences. Granted, I don't, I'm not familiar with other FCS conferences outside of uh, uh, the SWAC, the MEAC, the Big South, um, a couple others too, the CIA, the CAA rather, the Colonial. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I just, I just think that. I would think that if all that transition comes about the MEAC, I would think the FAMU's next up would be the SWAC. And so the SWAC, therefore, would become bigger. And, you know, SWAC, I always say the SWAC is it's a black SEC. They love mm-hmm. the football in that conference. And love they, it. Show, they show it at the gate. So mm-hmm. I think that'd be, that would be great for FAMU, but, I mean, who the hell, who the hell knows what happens? So this is, a, this is an interesting time. Not only the MEAC, but HBCU athletics as a whole. As because a whole. They see, because if they see Hampton doing well with the transition, if they see A&T doing well with the transition, hell, I don't know. How, I mean, Tennessee State seems to be doing all right in their conference in the Ohio Valley. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could be 
it could be it could be the signal of a new era. If you have more and more of those HBCUs, ambitious HBCUs, who are growing financially, and from from the student enrollment standpoint, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing looks in the next five to ten years. And Scott, before we move on, just real quick, note that everything we just talked about and all that information I just gave you, that is just a piece of everything that's involved in it. I didn't talk about APR stuff. I didn't talk about the network deals with the Big South and the fact that the MEAC and SWAC doesn't have one. As a matter of fact, the MEAC and SWAC are the only two conferences on the FCS level that do not have a network. So I didn't even talk about that or a bunch of other stuff that could be potentially involved in this entire move. This thing has so many pieces involved in it, man, it's not even funny. That's why when people try to simplify it as as, as quickly and as, as small and minute as they as they do, it's it's laughable and insulting at the same time. And that's why, man, I just shake my head with a lot of the comments that people have made. I know that a lot of people are hurt and I know a lot of people find this funny. But man, this is something that should be a mirror to a lot of HBCUs. Not just the HBCUs, but the conferences themselves. Dennis Thomas, where moves need to be made in order for us to be able to sustain us. Because that's, if you look at it as a whole, that's what this move was for. It was to help A&T be self-sufficient and sustain itself. Because if we can't help us, we got to help us, if that makes any sense. Right, right. Right, exactly, exactly. So, all right, that's a great discussion. That's why I was excited to talk about this with you on tonight because I knew, I knew that you was very, very close to connect, closely connected to HBCU athletics because of what you do, i.e., HBCU sports, where the wrap up all things HBCU sports, right? Um, mm-hmm. so that's so that's why I was excited to have you on. But it's a lot of information. I'm glad that you. I'm thankful that you shared it. And this is, a, this is a conversation that we can continue online with some of our fellow alumni of A&T and other from PWIs or other HBCUs who are just curious. Yeah. To learn more about it and why it's taking place. I mean, it's very fascinating. And one last thing before we do move on, speaking of money, ESPN did a write-up on the, on the, on, on the, on the, on the on central basketball team. Yeah. You know, with, with the coach talking, I forget the coach's basketball's name. It slipped my mind. Uh, Lavelle um, Moulton. Yeah, 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 Lavelle Moulton, right. How he he talked about the, the, the weariness of the travel because they're traveling by bus. They don't yes. fly. And so they talked about the first couple of weeks of the season, went on the road and get what they call, like, I guess, like a better term, paycheck games. Yes. And how much it takes a toll on them on their psyche. Mm-hmm. So they got to think about that too. So to your point, being the Big South will help A and T alleviate a lot of those expenses because A they don't have to travel as much during conference play. But B, mm-hmm. to your point, they have broadcast deals. The conference, yeah, has broadcast deals. They have A and T immensely. So this is going to be very interesting going going forward as far as monitoring the situation. So that's. It's very fascinating. Right quick, speaking of basketball, the NBA trade deadline came and went. 
Not too many major trades happened. Maybe the most major of them all was um, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins being traded Andrew Wiggins. from Minnesota. Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins to from Minnesota to um, uh, the the Golden State Warriors for D'Angelo Russell. And to me, I think it was a wash. I mean, both teams, both. I think Wiggins needed a change of scenery because he wasn't going to be that guy. They paid him to be the, Minnesota paid him to be the guy, but he doesn't have any dog in him. He's more comfortable in the third or fourth scoring role. So that would help him. But that's a lot of money for Golden State to take on. So I'm wondering if that's really the last move that Golden State would make. Because you know this thing called free agency in the summer, I don't know mm-hmm. if they want to be solid with his contract going forward. I don't know the the, the way that the uh, team GM sounded. Uh, I was watching the uh, the Golden State Lakers game this past weekend. You know he was very excited about the potential of Clay, Steph, Draymond, and Andrew playing together. And you have that okay. combination with their potential draft pick coming up this season, and a lot of the draft picks that they picked up via trade this past uh, trade deadline. There's nothing but potential growth and, and potential opportunities with this organization. So it's, I'm, I am very intrigued to see what they're going to do in the next not only couple of months. Because they're saying that, of course, Steph comes back after the All-Star break, but also what this team will be capable or what what this team will do this summer as it pertains to both the draft and free agency and what type of moves that they'll make there and how that would potentially aid that organization. Now, I I was actually – I wasn't actually shocked that they made the trade in terms of dealing – uh, D'Angelo Russell because I didn't think necessarily that he was a fit with that organ with the, uh, the the Golden State Warriors because I just thought he was just mm-hmm. another point guard that would potentially play alongside another point guard but a different type of point guard and didn't think that it would necessarily work well to their favor to have both of them on the court at the same time so to to, to see that they ended up using him as trade bait was cool. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what this number one overall draft pick in Wiggins will look like with a fully loaded Golden State team. Interesting. That should be very, very interesting. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. But, um, yeah, but that, that's going to be interesting with, this, with, the, with the Warriors, how it will affect them going forward. Because they have cap space. And they have yeah. a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. They'll be getting Clay Thompson back. They'll be getting Steph Curry back. This about to get interesting next season. This about to get yeah. interesting for Golden State. So, kick them while they're down now because they won't be down for long, brother. So that's and they're going to have a, a, a top five draft pick, uh, at least a yep. lottery pick. So, yeah, it's going to be insane to see what this organization looks like next season. With everyone and we'll else. Check, we'll win this. We'll, we'll put a red ball in this podcast with this, brother. Tom Brady. From <laughs> basketball to football. Going from football to basketball to, to football again. Um, you know, like, it's a lot of moving parts going on in the NFL. You know, the NFL just 
Well, the Chargers just announced that they're severing the relationship with uh, Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. And you got cryptic tweets and videos from Brady about where he's going to go. They got uh, apparently someone quoted uh, Patriots owner Robert Kraft as saying that, you know, it's best for him to him being Brady to explore free agency, options for via free agency. I think a lot of it probably – I want to think a lot of it smokescreen. But I think Tom wants to get paid. And it's mm-hmm. not that he needs the money. I mean, hell, he's married to Giselle Bunchen, But he's about respect with him because he's been taking pay cuts after pay cut after pay cut the last several seasons. So it's time mm-hmm. to get his cheddar. Now, but there are lots of interesting scenarios out there where he could be. He could be in San in, – hell, fuck, I don't care that Los Angeles. I'll call it San Diego. He'll be in San Diego <laughs> via the Chargers. Right, and I don't think the Oakland, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders thing is real, to be honest with you. But there are options out there. Indianapolis is another option that he could explore. Um, mm-hmm. But where do you think, in your heart of hearts, what do you think Brady will end up next season? If you were to put a gun to my head, and I had to pick three places, it would be yeah. in this order. Well, it would be from three to one. The Chargers, third. Mm-hmm. Number two will be Dallas. Number one mm. is New England. And yeah. the reason why I say those places is because those three teams are playoff ready, if not championship ready. Now, my right. name, yeah, the Chargers, they had a lot of losses, but they also had a lot of losses that were seven points or less. So just like right. the year before, where they had a lot of seven-point or, or less wins, you know, just the, the bounce of the ball one way, and also dealing with the uh, uh, Melvin Gordon not being there for the, for the majority of the year, along with Derwin James, they had a lot of losses. You get those two pro bowlers back, and you add in Tom Brady, and then along with the other young weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball and that young defense that they have, who who knows what that team could do, right? Then, of course, he has right. the familiarity of, of being in Boston, but he also said that if he stays in New England, they're going to have to bring some some skilled position now, guys to play alongside him. Right. And right. with Dallas, man, <laughs> I hate to say this out loud, but they have skilled position guys. They gave the money to, to Zeke. And 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 Amari Cooper, I think he has one more year left on his deal or whatever, if, if it's not already up. But they can always bring him back. Um, so they have talent on on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. The thing is, of course, you know, being able to get them to galvanize and 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 perform, and then to to I guess to have Tom there, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he fits. But that is another team. That is playoff ready. And I think he's only going to really entertain – of course he's only going to entertain places that are playoff ready. And, and those are the three right, right. there on top of my head. But the interesting name that I th- heard as a dark horse today was the Carolina Panthers. Don't know how wow. much truth it they is to the, it. But, but like you about to say, they, they, they got the cap money. They got the defense. They got the cap money. Especially yeah, if know, they get so, rid of uh, camp. 
and they get rid of Cam. There's another 19 they can go ahead and play around with, too. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going, but we all know it's going to end up being a domino effect because, of course, Drew Brees is involved, uh, Philip Rivers is involved, Jameis is involved, uh, uh, Tannehill out there in terms of quarterback position, uh, Bridgewater. There are a lot of QBs that are out there to be had and a lot of teams that have QB needs. It's going to be very interesting to see how they're approached. Mm. The Panthers, that sounds very Panther-like. And look for it. It wouldn't surprise me that David Tepper, a very forward-thinking owner, mm-hmm. would, wouldn't surprise me if he pulled that off. Because, again, the Panthers, I think they have the cap room. They got the skill players. They got the defense, albeit minus Luke Keekley. Um, mm-hmm. And the market is centralizing. I mean, Charlotte market is not a bad market. And, you know, he could play, Brady could play in the NFC and go up against Lashley's Reese and play there for another two, three years because they mm-hmm. got enough as a line and got need a running, a reliable running game in Christian McCaffrey and company. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very interesting. I think it's going to go back to New England. I think it's going to go back to New England. I agree with you. I think that your top choice like or most of the likelihood where he'll end up, he'll end up back in New England. I, I but, 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 but that means what will be done about Bill Belichick? Because I, I don't think they could take another year to get. I don't think they despise each other. But I think one wants the credit over the other so bad that yeah. I, I just don't see them being together for another two, three years. So that's my own interpretation of that. But I just don't see any other place outside of the Chargers, maybe. Mm-hmm. And possibly Dallas, but would but would really would, would Dallas really move on from Dak Prescott? Would he really move on from a younger guy for a guy who's on the last leg of his career, maybe two or three years left? Would he really do that? The only reason I why I think that they would, because like you said, he only has another two three years left on, on the books. Um, they can always bring in a, a younger guy or draft a younger guy after. Uh, he leaves, in a, and if that means getting a Super Bowl within those three years, they'll take that chance. I guess I guess Jerry Jones will definitely do that. I, yeah, yeah. The more I think about the more I think that's the case. But uh, yeah, this is a Super anyway, Bowl star team. Yep, that's true. It's been what over twenty. It's been what since nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety five season. Yeah, ninety six. Uh huh. So that's been so that's almost twenty five years. So yeah, yeah, I think Jerry Jones would do anything to win a Super Bowl without Jamie Johnson, without mm-hmm. Jamie Johnson's place because you know remember, uh, uh, um, Barry Switzer won with Jimmy Johnson's players. Yeah. So yeah, he would he would he would I I get yeah yeah I think Jerry Jones to his point to his credit I think he would to say fuck the future, I want another one now whenever one or two now. I, I think that's definitely the case, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. Hey, hey, hey thanks, thanks all for joining me, man. I thoroughly enjoyed the HBCU discussion uh, regards to the future with HBCUs moving to, like, PWI conferences. But let's continue the conversation online. Let's share some, inf- once you share some information online on Twitter and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. I think that would be great. 
Not a problem. And like I said, once I'm done with these stories, I'll most definitely share the link with you and your fan base. Bro, thanks a lot, bro. Peace out. Peace. All right, that's my guy, D-Nash. Check him out on Facebook Live every Tuesday night. I'm sorry, Sleazy Sleazy Radio on Facebook Live every Tuesday night. My bad. As well as the Yarshash HBCU Sports. We're asking about all things HBCU Sports as well as Hero Sports. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Cloud Hour podcast with Scott Burks. Signing off. Oh, stick. Nice. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, oh, oh,